and thank you guys for leading us in worship today. What an outrageously good God we have, amen? And I don't use the word outrageously, literally, I'm not outraged at how good he is, but we're astonished. I mean, we're, uh, we always know this to be true, but there are times when you're just confronted with it again, that, that, that God has loved us in such um, unreasonable ways, indescribable ways. And I love the verse that Trey led us in just a moment ago, Psalm 68, speaking of God who rides through the, do you remember? The deserts. A place that a king or someone of status, certainly God, ought not to be out in a desert somewhere, wandering, and, and I mean, not wandering, but there he is in the desert. Why, why in the world would God ride through the desert, so to speak? Because that's where we are. And oftentimes, we find ourselves in the desert of sin, right? You've all been there. We've all been in the desert of sin, sometimes the desert of sorrow or loneliness or need, helplessness. It's not working. It's not going. And there we are in that desolate, alone place. And who comes riding to our side? The Lord. Now, that's outrageous. That's amazing that we have such a God. And so we praise God this morning for his salvation, for his character, for all of who he is. I want to say a word of thanks this morning to Kevin Shockley. Uh, Kevin stood in for me last week as we were away, and I, I thank him for that. I've heard from so many of you uh, through the week on the phone and in person on Wednesday night and other settings. You've pulled me aside and grabbed me and said, Kevin did such a wonderful job uh, and uh, just went on and on about it, and in fact, I could have stood a little bit less of that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm very thankful, and uh, in fact, right back here on Wednesday night, uh, there was a lady that stopped me and said, Kevin did a tremendous job Sunday, <clears throat> and she said, I just had to think how amazed I am that the Lord has so blessed our little church uh, to have uh, the level of leadership uh, that we see in our student ministry and in our in Kevin's ministry and our children's ministry and worship ministry. And, you know, I, I had to stop and think there with that lady uh, in our church. That's, that is true, and that is strange, isn't it? I mean, that is a rare, a rare gift. And so I praise the Lord for you, Kevin. Thank you for uh, st standing in and telling the truth while we were gone. I want to open today with a story <clears throat> about Ricky Thrasher. You know, Ricky uh, travels around... Uh, he works for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, so on occasion he has to go visit and, and be a part of other church services all throughout our region, and it wasn't long ago he had traveled to one of the neighboring counties here, a rural church, and for a PM service to represent the mission board, and <clears throat> there he went inside and sat down, and the lights were kind of dim, and it was nice and cozy inside, and it had been a long day and a long bumpy ride up there, and he sat down, and he, before he knew it, he had dozed off. In fact, he didn't know it. He was dozing, right? He, he was there, uh, dozed off, and uh, he knew he was going to have to come up and say a few words later, and he heard the pastor say, please stand. And so Ricky uh, abruptly woke up and stood up there in the service, and he noticed he was the only one, but everybody clapped, <clears throat> applauded. They went, in fact, they went wild over it, and Ricky thought, well, I pulled this off pretty good, you know. The pastor said, Mr. Ricky, Brother Ricky, we, we praise the Lord for you. And now who else will give $5,000? And 
Somebody sent me that joke. It's, uh, it's not from me. Anyway, sometimes we, we hear, we, we listen, but we, we haven't really heard, right? And the Bible talks today, and Jesus even uses a phrase at the end of this. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. We all have ears in the room today, but does everyone have ears to hear, to receive what it is Jesus is saying. And that's the message uh, that we're looking at today from the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke in the New Testament. We'll be in chapter 8, beginning in verse 1 together. This will be a familiar uh, parable to you. And we're going to read this together in just a moment as the Lord Jesus paints a picture of a man sowing seed and it landing on different types of soils. So this is called in your Bible the parable of the sower, perhaps. But more accurately, I think it should be called the parable of the soils. What really is in view here is the different types of soils. That is, the different types of hearts and how they receive the planted seed of the Word of God. So let's read this together. We'll begin in verse 4, actually. And we'll carry on to verse 15. If you need a Bible, these words will be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible in your life at all, we don't want you leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word. And we have those on the table in the back at no cost to you. You take that. Don't be embarrassed to grab one of those. We want you to have that just a gift from our heart to yours. Verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, He said in a parable, a sower, that's someone who plants or who sows uh, seeds for crops, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away. Because it had no moisture. Other gospels say it had no root. Uh, It had nothing to to draw nourishment and moisture from out of the ground. Verse 7, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell in good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. That is to say, a hundred times what was planted. And he said these, as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear let him hear and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant he said to you that is the disciples it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God but for others they are in parables that is almost as if to say they are in disguise you know they they are in these stories because you the the mysteries that have been revealed uh, but to others, uh, they, are, they are not being revealed. They're given in parables so that seeing, they may not see. They see it. They see what Jesus is doing, but they don't see it. They don't get it. And hearing, they may not understand. They hear it, but they don't comprehend. What in the world does this mean? Let's just stop for just a minute. What in the world? Why would Jesus do this? A huge crowd, probably the biggest crowd of his ministry if you read that just previous to this text the people from all the surrounding places had gathered to to hear him in fact in another gospel it says he got out onto a boat so that he could 
preached to all the crowds on an ascending um, uh, a beach there. As the sand goes up, Jesus would have had an audience there with them, a, a huge crowd. Why would he, this seems weird to us, doesn't it? That he would say, I'm, I'm going to tell this in parables so that you who will see it and hear it will get it, but that those who won't will not. That tells us something, doesn't it? It tells us about all these folks that were coming to Jesus to follow him for a magic trick. Or all these people who were coming to him to just see a good show. Or all these people who were coming to him to, to twist his words and to attack him. Jesus was not interested in just gathering huge crowds, was he? He was interested in delivering truth to those who were of the kingdom of God. What does that tell us today about so many of the temptations we feel to be an attractional church? With what are we going to attract people? What would, what would Jesus have done to attract people? He told them the truth. And he put it in parables so that those who were of the kingdom would know it, that the church of God would be filled with faithful followers, those who have ears to hear, but that those who would not be converted would not gather in a frenzy around him. We're not here just for followers today. We're not here just uh, to experience to expand and to overflow and, and all that's going We are here to tell the truth, to cultivate true disciples of Jesus. And so he tells them this. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna put this in parables. And they say, well, what does this parable mean? And he says, the parable is this, verse 11. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard but then the devil comes up and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. They, they spring up a little bit, right? Th these seeds are, are put there in, in, on the ground, but right beneath it there's, there's just a whole layer of rock and they, they spring up and there's the greenness of life and all of a sudden... Jesus says here, they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, things get tough or things aren't as pleasant, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature as for that in the good soil they are those who hearing the word hold it fast listen to that they hold on to it in an honest and a good heart and they bear fruit with what with patience over time your, your translation might say with endurance it, 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 it takes a while the fruit keeps coming there's growth there how God's word encounters the human heart depends on what? It depends on the condition of the soil, on the condition of that heart. And Jesus describes four conditions here. Let's look at these together. The first is this. God's word sometimes finds the soil of a hard heart. It finds the soil of a hard heart. This path described here would have been one that was a well-worn path to for the gardener to, to go through and to find access to his crops and to carry his carts down and, 
his mules and his horses, all these hooves and feet would have been trampling it all the time until anything that could really accept and absorb a, a planted seed was, was washed or was pushed off. It was impacted and hardened soil. This path was like 985 out here. It'd be like taking your seeds and throwing them down on the asphalt there and seeing if something's going to grow. This was a hardened path. And this represents the one here who rejects the word of God. You throw a seed down on that path, it's like a bouncy ball. It just, boom, it just goes off. And the person there uh, whose heart is represented here, they, uh, they hear the word of God, we're told. They hear it, don't they? But they reject it. It bounces off that hard path. It was too concrete for anything to sink in. I tried to uh, come along to one of our sweet old ladies at the church the other day and <clears throat> give them a hug. And they usually hug me, you know. Not, not this day, they wouldn't hug me. I, I, I came along to, to give them a hug and they were just, just like this, you know. Stiff as a board and leaned, leaned away from me. I thought, <sighs> you know, he's got a bad breath or... Didn't use the old, I didn't know what happened. And uh, they looked at me and said, oh, honey, that's how you know you're older than someone when you call them honey. But they said, oh, honey, I just had my hair did. You know, <laughs> you know what that means? It means I don't want your face, your greasy old face up against my newly done hair, right? They just had their hair done. That was, listen, even with the explanation, you know what that felt like? Rejection, right? <clears throat> I felt it to the bone. <clears throat> Honey, I just had my hair did. I'm going to write that down for my book. Um, <laughs> these are people who reject God's word outright. I mean, the, the word there, they do hear it. The seed does fall there in their, in their hearing, in their heart, if you will, on that soil. But the soil is, has been hardened. The heart is determined to have nothing to do with Jesus. I did a funeral here at the church. Actually, it was an outdoor funeral across the road uh, this year, as a matter of fact. Uh, and I went there, and I, 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 had, I was dressed right. I had the God's Word there. I had a, a message to share. And during this funeral, the, the coldest, most calloused, most closed-off looks you've ever seen, as this loved one lay in the ground... And I was there to try to tell the truth of the Word of God. There was not a soul there who would make eye contact with me, who would nod their head. Not a tear was shed over the truths of God's Word. There was nothing. Now, I don't judge the heart. That's up to, to the Lord to do. But I'll tell you, from my vantage point, there was an imperviousness. Nothing was going to get through. This is the heart of hardness that's described here in the text. And I want to remind you today that there are those on whose hearts the word of God falls who have determined to set themselves against it. Through circumstances or, or calculation, somehow they set themselves against the word of God. There is no tenderness to receive God's word. There is no warmth to welcome God's word. It isn't there. It doesn't exist. The heart is hardened to it. There is no notion to take that seed and to nourish God's word. It simply lays there atop a hard and hostile heart for Satan to come and take it away. You leave a funeral like that and you feel like, man, 
I told the truth and the gospel was present. And these people know that if their loved one could, that he would certainly, she would certainly plead with them to hear this. It's a reality and nothing happens. They go outside for a moment and maybe the echoes are fresh in their head for a second, but then the cell phone text rings or the ball game score comes up or need to, you know, need to grab lunch. Work's calling and it's important and Satan snatches it away. Word, the word sometimes finds the soil of a hard heart. But secondly, God's word sometimes finds the soil of a shallow heart, doesn't it? That's what's described here next. There, there is a, another surface. Uh, it's a large rock. This is not a, a soil with rocks mixed in like we have in Georgia. This is a, 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 a base of rock that has accumulated some dust and some debris and some leaves is falling and some pine needles. And, you know, you might look at the ground and you say, that's, that's fertile soil, but really it's just a thin layer of of debris and it's just laying there with moss and leaves and and uh, the seed falls on that and it begins to what it begins to grow and it's bright green and it's exciting and it's coming to life and it's reaching for the sun and all looks good until hard times happen and there's no root there there's no moisture there because it's just a light dusting on the top of that hard rock I love a place that you guys told me about when I first moved here called J. Moore Farms. And we drove up there after uh, Miss Kathy and some of the others of you told me about J. Moore. We went up there and we discovered something called the apple cider donut. We got out a box of apple cider donuts. We took it home. It was delicious. Now we have apples in Tennessee. We have cider in Tennessee. But we don't have the apple cider donut in Tennessee. That's something we discovered here. It was coated with sugar and cinnamon. It was just that you could sink your teeth into it. So fresh and just crunch that sugar. You could just feel the crunch of the sugar under your teeth. So I went back to get another box of them, right? I brought them home and opened them up. Totally different experience, right? Somebody had gotten stingy with the cinnamon and sugar. You don't know why, but budget cuts at J. Moore, you have no clue what's happening. Maybe the can was about to run out they didn't want to refill it so they just lightly dusted it it was a, it, it ruined the whole thing for me right it was just a light dusting there's just a light dusting of soil on this ground and uh, the, the seed of God's word hits somebody's heart and and this is not the person who outright rejects it a bouncy ball off the ground this is the heart that the, the, the seed begins to flourish and you think wow well, they came back from youth camp with a, a hotness of heart for, for Jesus. And boy, they came back from the mission trip, and, and it seems like they're on fire for the Lord. This is the guy who comes down when his marriage is breaking apart and thinks, maybe there's a hope for me. Maybe I can turn things around. Maybe I can show my sincerity to my wife at the altar. And he hits the waters of baptism, and he comes out, and there's a flourish of life there. But once everything's back to normal, or once all hope is gone of restoration, there he goes. The, the thing dies out. This is the person who comes pleading for their wayward kids. And once that's all settled, they walk away from the Lord again the soil was super 
superficial. It didn't go deep enough. Uh, this, is a, this is a response, but no conversion. Uh, this is an intellectual ascent, but, but no life change. Or this is just an emotional reaction, but no depth. I was looking at our membership roles the other day at our church, and we have two categories, active and inactive. Active, we have 700, 700 who are listed as active. And some of that's our fault for not clearing things out. <clears throat> but I looked through the names and I thought, yeah, where, where, are, where is this person? You know, where are I asked Kathy, who is this person? And I wondered, 700, where are they? Some of them are homebound now. Some of them have gone to another church and we don't know it. There are lots of exceptions but some of them, some of them hit the waters of baptism in an emotional high or in a time of desperation. The seed hit their heart and it began to flourish and they walked the aisle. Some of them at a vacation Bible school, we said, do you want to go to heaven? And they said, yes, I want to go to heaven. Raise your hand and pray the prayer. And they're on the rolls now. Something, something happened, but it wasn't true. It wasn't lasting. It wasn't forever. There are those whose souls are in eternal peril this morning, having been found by the word of God, having shown a flourish of life for a season, and who remain in unconverted lostness today. Be careful, friends. Be careful. God's word sometimes finds the soil of a shallow heart. But thirdly, God's word sometimes finds the soil of an entangled heart. This one is the most, this is the darkest setting to my eyes. This is the one that is the most shame and the most uh, sorrow of those who find the word of God. The seed settles uh, in the soil of their hearts, but the condition of their heart already has a lot growing there. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of things growing in their heart. And what are those things that are growing there? The Bible puts it this way. They are choked out by the cares <clears throat> of, of life, the care, the concerns of life. That doesn't just mean the bad things, but it, just, it means just the things we have to do, the obligations and the cares of life and the riches of life. These are, these are gifts. You might, you might look at riches and pleasures and say, these aren't even sins. These are just gifts. It seems like they're gifts from God. Enjoyment and riches and abundance and pleasure and comfort. Uh, but these weeds are there in our hearts. And they grow up alongside the gospel, alongside the word. And these weeds reach and they choke out the word of God. This is a person who never was converted. It looked like they were there was a hope that the word of God would grow up, but guess what? They were choked out <clears throat> by the weeds of this world. This is the one who reappraises the word of God. We thought it was the most valuable thing, but it turns out there's other things of value in our heart, and I choose the weeds. There's a boy in my old student ministry, a hilarious uh, student, teenager, uh, just a full of life and full of love, and uh, he had some crazy quotes. Um, we were riding in the church van one day, and his name is Ashton, and 
Ashton said, uh, I said, how, how are you enjoying the fall retreat? He said, I'm loving it like McDonald's. I never heard that before. But I always remember that, you know. He's just that kind of crazy kid. And he's at every youth camp and every fall retreat we had. And he was at every Wednesday night when he was there. I mean, he was just the life of the place and a funny guy. And he, had a, he came from a hard, difficult family background. But I thought, wow, look, the Lord has gotten hold of him. And there's going to be a story here. One day he's going to testify to the goodness of God out of this hard place and uh, just uh, full of evidence that the Lord had changed and was moving uh, in his heart. One day I heard that Ashton had just fallen far away from the Lord and at a, a total just substance abusing drunken party one night had gotten run over uh, by uh, another boy uh, and, and caught up in the wheel well and just torn to, to pieces and was in the ICU at Erlanger Hospital and there I went down to Erlanger to, to see him and he was all beat up and I looked him in the face and he's laying down there in the bed and all the stuff is on him and I, I said Ashton you've been given another chance I mean, this this doesn't happen by accident that you have come out of this you shouldn't be here the Lord's trying to tell you something I, you need to turn to him and he just looked back at me with the blankest of faces and it may have been me reading into it, but all I could see in there was an eagerness to get out and to get back to where he was living. There was nothing there anymore. It had all changed the pleasures of life. And he allowed him to grow up in his heart. And, and, and the riches of life were growing up there alongside that. And the cares of life, the things that were meaningful to him, are growing up beside that. And there lay the seed of the word that had been cultivated in his heart that had begun to spring up. And according to this text, had begun potentially even to blossom into fruit that was never allowed to mature, that was never allowed to show the evidence of a transformed life. There was never salvation in that heart. The seed was planted. The weeds came up. Here's a couple of tests for you. Maybe answer this question, not out loud and not even here, but just take this home with you. If you had to say today, finish the sentence, you know, I just don't think I could live without blank. Not God, not Jesus. Well, what would you put in there? I just don't think I could live without mm, this. Or maybe you say, you know, I live for going to. I live for being. I live for you fill in the blank there. Maybe you put, I, I just, I'd be nowhere without. And you fill in the blank. Those are the weeds that occupy our heart. Be careful Church, be careful what you insist on giving prominence in your life. Those weeds will grow up and they will choke out the seed that God has implanted there. There are those in whom the word of God finds a momentary home, but it is strangled down into spiritual death by concerns of life that are awarded a place of deeper roots and greater growth in your heart. Who awards them that place? Who awards them that place of deeper roots and greater growth in your heart? You do. I do. 
It is we, it is the unregenerate heart who says to those other competing factors in our lives, I choose you over God. I choose these ways over his ways. I choose this family over God's family. It It is we who give that award. I call this an infestation of infatuation. We're just infatuated with these weeds. Riches, man, that's easy to be infatuated with. If I had some riches, I might be infatuated with that. Pleasures, oh, the pl- oh I can be infatuated with that. The concerns of life, I'm just, I'm just infatuated with where I'm going and what my family's doing. And all the time, this love, this infatuation is an infestation that is dragging us down to eternal death. God's word sometimes finds the soil of an entangled heart. If you could be honest this morning, is your heart entangled with things that are more important to you than the fruit of God's word? Take that home with you. Go to, go to the Lord in prayer over that. But lastly, God's word sometimes finds the soil of an open heart. And we may praise God for that. His word sometimes finds the soil of an open heart. This is the good soil that, uh, that are those people who hearing the word of God, they do two things, right? They hold it fast in an honest and a good heart, and they bear fruit with patience. They hold on to what God has given them. And the word hold fast here, here's what it means. It means to cling to something. It means to hold on tight, to retain it at all costs. Y'all watched some football yesterday. One of the worst feelings of a game is when that ball tumbles where out of that arm and onto that ground where someone strips it away, uh, it falls. This person here holds tight to this implanted word of God. And he holds so tight to it that over time it bears the fruit that God has planted it there for. Yesterday we were out in the woods uh, getting ready for a little gathering and um, Reese and I had the riding lawnmower out there and we had um, a trailer attached to it, my little boy Reese, sweet Reese. And he uh, wanted to drive the tractor and so I said, well, I'll ride back in the trailer. And usually I sit there on the back of the trailer and I hold on, but this time I got really lazy and I said, I'm going to lay down. And I laid down back on that tractor, on that trailer rather. I laid down there thinking I was going to take a nice little rest while Reese gently drove me home. Reese plunged his foot down on the gas and took a corner. And, <laughs> and there I was, uh, all of me on that trailer, tumbled off into the dirt, into the trees, onto the rocks, making all kinds of noise. And, oh, and I got up and I said, Reese, what are you doing? You, you, you threw me off the trailer. He, he, said, uh, he said, Dad, I just did what I always do. What had changed, really, was that I didn't hold on that time, right? Normally, I hold on for dear life. But this time, I had let go, and it landed me on the ground. That's the picture here. Someone who finds the Word of God, or rather God's Word finds them, and it's implanted there in, in that heart, and uh, it's good soil. It doesn't mean it's perfect soil. I mean, but, but God finds you and the soil is there and you see the treasure that it is and you embrace it and you think, I'm hanging on to this. 
and there are weeds in your life, and, and they take second place because of how much you know you found a life-giving treasure. And there are, there are other things in your life, and, and you say, no, I'm holding on to this. And Satan might come along and, and try to snap it out of your life, and you say, for all that's in me, I'm holding on. How are they holding on? They're holding on fast to the Word of God. They're, they're not going to let it go. If, if, if they have any part in it, they're not going to let this go. And over time, they bury that Word of God so deeply into their life that it is nourished, that it grows that it germinates and fruit begins to bloom. And it doesn't just begin to bloom, it begins to bloom with patience. That, that means you can wait and wait and wait and you're going to see fruit after fruit after abundance after fruit until you make it to the end. Until that day when Jesus comes back or you face the Lord because of your own mortality and there you find that the word of God has endured and that you have endured with it. God's word sometimes finds an open heart. You see, the mark of someone who has had an authentic conversion experience is that their life clings to the word and that that word planted in them bears lasting fruit. There is no other evidence of the, the, word, of, of the salvation of God. The, the evidence is, are you a fruit? Is there evidence within you that God has planted that seed and that it has borne fruit? You see, everything depends on the condition of the soil. I mean, the sower, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the sower, right, in this parable. There's nothing wrong with the seed that is sown. There's nothing wrong with Jesus. There's nothing wrong with the Word of God. Everything changes based on the condition of the soil, the condition of the heart. It's not the seed, it's not the sower, it's the heart that must change. Which one of these conditions fits you best? If you had to say, which one of these conditions fits you best? If it is anything other than the last one, there is one hope and there is one prayer for you today. Listen, there is one hope, none other, there is one prayer for you today. And it's not Jesus. If you've been more powerful as a sower, I would have been saved. And it's not Jesus. If the word of God had been a more potent seed, I would have found you. The only hope we have is to plead and to pray that God would change your heart. That's the only difference maker here. And so if you find yourself afraid or alone in one of these other conditions today, if you find that you're a one with a hard heart, you have no tolerance for it. If you find you're someone with a shallow heart, that, that there's just not much there. It was an emotion. And you came back from youth camp that day and you were, you were fired up, but you've just gone straight back to all the junk. If you find it was something like that, if you find that it was an entangled heart that's in you, you pray to God to change your heart, and he'll do it. Let me pray for us.